Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could turn your world upside down. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real crisis or a ripped from the headlines controversy. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. Our suggestions are meant to empower you to handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek out professionals to help your specific need. Crisis Squad member Steve Silton is here with me. He's a business and entertainment attorney and is used to complex topics. He helps clients get out or stay out of trouble. We're here to discuss the case file I call Crypto Night. Cryptocurrencies, a topic gaining traction for the last several years, Bitcoin was the first, introduced in 2009, but confusing to many people. Todd Baker of Columbia University recently wrote in the Wall Street Journal, it's the kind of finance that creates crisis. And since the end of 2022, one crypto exchange company, FTX, with many celebrity endorsers, is in major hot water. FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried recently pleaded not guilty to charges of wire fraud and conspiracy. The company itself filed for bankruptcy, leaving investors wondering if they will ever get their money back. Crypto lenders Celsius and Genesis also starred in recent headlines over their financial problems. Steve, why would big names like Tom Brady, David Ortiz, and Giselle Bündchen lend their status in this space? To me, it seems like gambling. It is a little like gambling, and there's probably no topic more complex than cryptocurrencies or the blockchain technology that underlies cryptocurrency. So we'll try to unpack it the best we can. I mean, obviously, the reason why endorsers endorse, right, Larry David did it, is because of money. You pay people money, they're generally going to endorse it. There's not often a lot of due diligence that goes beyond that. I've been involved on the legal aspect of a lot of that, and, and oftentimes they get into a lot of trouble. Celebrities get into a lot of trouble in endorsing a product or a service that later turns out to be less than honorable. But in this case, when you're dealing with cryptocurrencies, which is essentially money based on the blockchain technology, very few people understand it. I could have seen them thinking they were getting into what is an emerging and accelerating technology space, when indeed they were getting involved in what I've been arguing for many, many years is essentially just a ruse. It's money without an army. And historically, you can't have a currency without a government and more importantly, a military backing up that currency. All right. So you paint kind of a dire picture. So it's no real surprise to you that uh, the founder and the head of FTX, Sam Bankman-Fried, is now facing all these charges. Trial is set for October 2023. And in fact, this is being called one of the biggest financial frauds in American history. And today, as we record on January 9th, just today's Wall Street Journal is saying that he and his colleagues made charitable donations. Now new management is asking for that money back. The new CEO, John J. Ray of FTX, famous for turnarounds like Enron or taking companies out of bankruptcy, they're trying to get these donations back. Well, this money's been spent. Well, right. I mean, this is kind of Bernie Madoff 2.0, where you had essentially these massive clawback claims based upon kind of the lavish, both philanthropic efforts, as well as these ongoing payments that were made to investors that 
while the company was insolvent. And we could talk about clawback claims forever. It's actually a specialty of mine. But I think what we need to do to really kind of understand this and unpack this is to go back to essentially the emergence of blockchain technology. And blockchain technology is what underlies all cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, including Ripple, Ethereum, all of them. The technology itself is sound. It's essentially a global online ledger. Uh, essentially how anyone would keep track of anything, right? So if, if you're trying to keep track of Bitcoin in this case, it's a ledger that shows that you sold one or a fraction now because they're very expensive of your Bitcoin to somebody else. And it's a global ledger, which means that it's not located on one server. It's essentially located across multiple servers. And I understand there's a limited number. Well, Bitcoin itself created essentially a limited number of coins they could have and then created a mining process under which the mining became harder and harder and harder, which, of course, essentially made it so that at the beginning of Bitcoin mining, there were a whole bunch of them. And now it continues to kind of diminish over time till eventually every last Bitcoin will be taken. The reason why they did that was just to create scarcity because Bitcoin itself has no value a government can come in at any time and say, listen, we're going to make it illegal to trade at Bitcoin. I've often said a resolution of this is the government's going to pick a cryptocurrency. Having a cryptocurrency out there actually has value. As a business lawyer, I've actually worked with cryptocurrencies. It's actually a very easy and efficient way of doing international monetary exchange. My guess is you're in the minority on that. Uh, no. Really? I would say most business lawyers have used cryptocurrency now. If they're doing any type of cross-border work, they've used cryptocurrency. And that's how you're getting paid? No, not how we're getting paid. But let's say a U.S. company is buying an asset from a Eastern European country, Poland or Belarus. Historically, to convert Belarusian currency to U.S. currency, you would actually go to Goldman Sachs. And Goldman Sachs would essentially act as an intermediary to essentially change the currency. Now, cryptocurrencies, whether it's Bitcoin, actually Bitcoin isn't the one that's mostly used. It's usually Ethereum or Ripple is another one. It's a very, very, very efficient way to change US dollars into a foreign currency. Because what you do is you just simply buy the cryptocurrency in a minute, then you can exchange out of it. There's no cost in that currency exchange. And it's very efficient and it works very, very, very well. Steve, I will say in all of the years that I've been hearing about Ethereum and crypto and Bitcoin, I mean, no one has ever explained it this clearly to me. And I really hope the Crisis Files listeners appreciate you taking us to school on this because this is probably going to be around for a while, even with these bankruptcy headlines of FTX and Celsius and others that are facing problems. Blockchain technology is a technological advancement. It has real value. I don't know if it has the value that we've seen in all these cryptocurrencies. And I'm not an expert on that. And I'm certainly not even an expert on, you know, even kind of explaining this, though. I certainly have had to deal with this. But this technology has real, real value. We were talking before the show the parallels between the FTX and the Enron failure. And in fact, the turnaround expert in Enron is John Ray. John Ray is now going to be the turnaround expert in FTX. And actually makes sense because Enron essentially created very sophisticated energy trading platforms. And their trading platforms themselves worked really, really, really well for trading oil, for trading gas, for trading nuclear power. All of these was a way to 
essentially establish a market based on real needs, which is energy, and to buy and sell them and create a stabilized market because capitalism requires a stabilized market. They got into trouble when they tried to move beyond that and they were trading things that, of course, were silly. They were trading, as we all know, the weather. They actually set up an exchange on the weather. They traded traffic. Their justification was, well, if you can buy and sell traffic, that will essentially start somehow having an impact on traffic patterns. It was a complete ruse. It was a complete scam. Blockchain technology started with a scam because cryptocurrencies themselves have no underlying value other than what people are buying and selling. It's not a traditional market of, of gas or oil or gold or diamonds where if somebody wants a diamond, they're willing to pay for it. It has real value. Really, all the blockchain does is essentially a receipt for ownership. This gets back to the whole concept of those uh, NFTs. NFTs are trying to create with images and art, essentially what you have with the cryptocurrencies. And really all they're doing is providing you a receipt that you own essentially this particular image. There's no real value in owning that image, particularly if you're not willing to protect it. So it's an interesting technology and it's going to eventually have a real impact on the way we do business. And I think in a positive way, but it started with the scam. Right. And when you see all of these negative headlines, the one word that comes to mind for me is greed. And one of the things that John Jay, the new CEO of FTX, says is he is just dumbfounded with how little paper trail and how little oversight there was. And that is what eventually led to, you know, this collapse. But even someone like Sam Bankman-Fried, I mean, the sheer greed it seems that was just pervasive in this scenario. Without a doubt. And listen, that leads to essentially cynicism in, in capitalism, right? Which I am a liberal capitalist. In other words, I believe that capitalism is the best way to distribute resources. However, I am concerned at some of the, the offshoots of capitalism, such as income inequality and rampant greed that we have here. And, you know, this is such an interesting kind of conversation. I do think trying to bring it to essentially what your expertise is in, in the crisis squad itself. I think it's important whenever you're advising a company, no matter where you are in kind of the service structure, you always try to check read. And if you are the leader that's making decisions, you got to check yourself. You've got to speak with your advisors. You talked about due diligence. What are some of your tips for due diligence if someone is either going to become an endorser, you know, like some of the, these celebrities were and are, or they're just looking into this kind of investment or this kind of structure. I mean, you kind of can go back to the Warren Buffett model, which is if I don't understand it, I'm not going to invest in it. You look at Dairy Queen and National Car Rental, like the bottling distribution, you want to do business with companies that you understand. Matt Damon was the big kind of endorser and, and he's stayed above this, which I think is somewhat interesting. Obviously, FTX knew what they were doing. They got these both kind of hip Tom Brady, Matt Damon, Giselle Brunchen, kind of people that kind of represented their brand. But I don't think that the endorsers themselves and even Larry David, which I think is kind of this, uh, you know, despite the fact that he's not a prickly young guy. Kind but of just as every man kind of a guy. Exactly. Yes. At least you he's know, everyone's like, uncle. You it, would not you would believe what he was saying. Well, everybody's neurotic Jewish uncle. Maybe <laughs> uh, I have a few of those. So which, um, which you are kind of on track to become as you age. I'm an expert in that is an area unlike cryptocurrency that I've got absolute expertise in. <laughs> 
the reality is is that they probably should have done substantially more due diligence. They probably should have understood exactly what they're doing. That being said, the Sam Bankman-Fried was kind of the perfect kind of uh, fraudster in this, right? He was this kind of geeky, sincere type guy. You know, his, both his parents were college professors. He kind of lends this kind of air of credibility, this kind of geeky techno credibility in an area that not many people truly understand. Because I think if they really understand it, and listen, it's really compelling. Any get-rich-quick scheme is always compelling. I see my kids, they're really compelled towards this, partially because I think they do see the benefits long-term. When you say just that term, get-rich-quick, to me, I'm just suspect. I don't know if that's the Gen Xer in me. I'm just suspect of that term. There's nothing. I mean, of course, you don't have to toil and toil and toil forever. But I think you do have to put in a little work, a little brain power, get some advice before you can see any kind of investment turn a profit. I also think it's your legal training. I mean, lawyers are natural cynics. So, you know, <laughs> I, I, I we mean, question everything. We do. We do. I think that's how kind of we're trained. All we see is downside. Right. And obviously getting back to kind of the way that capitalism works and should work is that you have to have kind of these dynamic individuals who take these type of major risks. And I think that helps the system. It propels us forward. You look at, you know, and again, Elon Musk has gotten some pretty negative press lately, but what he's been able to do with essentially moving us beyond the internal combustion engine, I mean, that has completely changed the car. Technology in the world. That is capitalism working at its best. This is capitalism uh, working at its worst. And part of the problem was, is that you just don't have a lot of regulatory oversight in that's the big problem. And that's what I the final thing I wanted to ask you about is this regulatory oversight. So if investors are out there, what are some questions they should be asking to make sure something that kind of isn't just investing in Coke or Pepsi could be a good bet for them? Well, it's real simple. If you're an investor, a thoughtful investor, don't invest in cryptocurrencies, period. It's by its nature, hopefully going to stay unregulated. It's kind of like the Internet has never really been totally regulated, right? Like even with Amazon essentially got in, listen, you buy from Amazon, you don't pay sales tax, which in a lot of states is a significant deal. It's still in some respects the wild, wild west. This is going to remain to a certain extent the wild, wild west. The concept of a diffused ledger, the concept of everybody who is involved in this having a piece of paper where, okay, I own this, I just sold that. That's great. The government doesn't necessarily get involved in that. But that by its nature means that the currency that's involved in that has no real value, period. When people are trading in this, understand they're trading in nothing. I mean, this isn't even baseball cards, right? This is literally trading in a concept and a thought. And, and at that, least with baseball cards, you get some bubble gum in there. Well, no, you get the baseball cards. You get you get a piece of art. Like, I, listen, I collected baseball cards. My son now has taken this. When he's gone through and kind of categorized these into different piles and said them are worth hundreds of dollars. And there is an actual value that you can say for can, a particular You card. can take it up. You can look at it. This has meaning. It's tangible. Yes, it has real. There's nothing tangible behind a Bitcoin. If you have a Bitcoin, you have nothing tangible. Don't invest in it. Well, on that positive note, <laughs> I'm sure we will be talking about this topic again. I want to thank Crisis Squad member Steve Silton. He is a business and entertainment attorney, and he's our guy on the law. Today's Crisis Brief, sponsored by Goff Public. Number one, if you are endorsing or recommending something, make sure you understand it. Number two, consumers should do their research before investing in anything. If it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Do business with concepts and brands you understand. Number three, 
Media mentions don't always mean thorough investigation or vetting. Don't get caught up in the hype. Reputation issues can arise quickly and unexpectedly. Prepare and plan before a crisis strikes with Goff Public, an award-winning public relations and public affairs agency. Your best defense is a crisis-ready culture that helps you spot potential issues, act swiftly, and reflects your brand's values while building trust with your audiences. Learn more at GoffPublic.com. Thank you to my podcast co-producers, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music and Kim Inslee. Catch up on all our case files. Go to thecrisisfiles.com for our archive, plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Rashini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files. <laughs> <laughs>